Hey, good Friday afternoon from Freight Alley, everybody. Hey, by the way, big shout out to AWS and Stratus Grid for joining us for our very first What the Truck After Dark happened last night. It was a great time. We had a great crowd here. Got to meet some awesome people, did some giveaways. And now that episode is available on demand. So go look it up on Freight Waves YouTube, Freight Waves TV, or podcast players anywhere, just like you find the show. But they made a... These cool pint glasses here. Look, they got our logo on here. Those are awesome. AWS, the Stratus Grid. I may try mine out while I'm watching college football tomorrow. Yeah, well, week zero kicks off. And we also have to thank someone else, too, because we got something else really cool right here. cool. Michael Collin and the team at Movement set us these really cool What's the Truck throw pillows. Yeah, we can be bribed. No, just kidding. But these these are nice. Take these on the airplane. Yeah, they're sweet. Well, you know what happened, actually? I, I interviewed him, and as I often do, I'm very observant, and I complimented his room and his environment. And I was like, hey, where yeah. did you get he those pillows MBMT's in the background. Yeah. Pillows? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, just as a gift, he had us That's sweet. made some of those. Very nice. Thank you, my friend. It was a good friend. time. Ba, 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 ba. By the way, it's a huge episode today. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge episode. It's been half exactly. a century since we meant to the moon. Is you know what's happening long? on Monday? Like yesterday. You know what's happening Monday? We're going back, man. We're sending the ship back up there. Kick the tires around. and light the fires. Artemis One's going back to the moon. And we have NASA on the show today. It's going to be awesome. We got Brett Suma from Loadsmith. We got Jason Gillespie, not Dizzy, from DHL Supply <laughs> Chain. Uh, we got this week's good and bad news. Even a couple dog videos being that. It's National Dog Day. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you guys this, too. Thank you all who submitted dogs. Each one of those yeah, got $5 yeah, yeah. donated to Operation Roger Operation Roger is that network of truck drivers yeah, that yeah. brings uh, dogs back to their families, lost pets, especially ones right. that happen on vacation. Yeah, what do you say, a thousand or so so far? They bought they've, yeah. they've, something like that. Yeah, it's a decent amount for, for what, what they're you doing. You got a big response, and that's really heartwarming to see. Yeah, it was awesome really cool. Cost. I love what they're doing over there. Yeah, let's man. Tip, let's tip the band, then we'll go take you over to Lebanon. Uh, Tritium, Lebanon, Tennessee, where we right went on. earlier in the week. So, Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Uh Uh-uh. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Instead, what you're going to want to do is email jobs at surgetransportation.com. And then what? Then you're going to open up your own office tomorrow, right before kickoff. That's what you are. Okay, so earlier in the week, we got this invite. And this company called Tritium said, we got this great grant from Tennessee. Mm. We built this major factory here. Mm-hmm. We're building these EV chargers. Let's take a look at the trip. They did this event right, too. Yeah, they did. They had, um, I think we'll see it here, that swag print. But even outside in their lot, it was kind of cool. They had, like, the future and the past of automobiles. They had all these vintage cars next to, like, Rivians and electric. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Rivians and electric trucks. That was a little painful. It was a little painful. <laughs> no, the truth is, I guess, in le- when that's not connected, you can't do anything. Yeah. This was cool. This was a company called, uh, what was it, Hip Vibes? Hip Hughes. Hip Hughes. Hip Hughes. They're a Nashville-based company. And we've mentioned this one before. We showed the pictures on here. Thank you for they- being here today. And we're very honored to celebrate this opening with all of you. And we thank you for making the effort to come here to join us. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? All right. So welcome to the new Tritium factory. We can't wait to show you through. 
That's the ribbon you found. <laughs> Australian. So what this event is about is really a number of things. First thing is a massive movement into the, the U.S., particularly Tennessee, relative to clean tech job creation. So not only are we a world-class manufacturer, what we're building here is a base of very smart, excellent employees who know what they're doing to be able to deliver the quality requirements that we have here in the U.S. I gotta ask you, why an Australian company up here in Middle Tennessee? You would think, why, right? Well, yeah. here's what I've understood. Having come from Silicon Valley, you know that innovation can happen anywhere in the world. And we have our founders in innovation that happened in Queensland, in Brisbane, Australia. But without key people from the United yeah. States bringing the technology to the largest market, you know, that, that uh, innovation stays there. So we're thrilled that Tennessee embraced us as a world-class manufacturer. And now that innovation is now going to beat out to our key customers from this location. So Mike, in your speech, you talked about how you're kind of an OG in the industry in this area, right? Schneider Electric, right, yes. right in Nashville. Absolutely. So you've been here a while. How important is this and the impact to this community? It's huge. One thing we've realized is that Tennessee is way high head and shoulders above many states when it comes to their understanding of manufacturing. You've had many uh, technology leaders, many automotive manufacturers who opened up shop here. We had our choice of which state we were going to go, and Tennessee offered the best overall employee base. We've learned more about from our employees of what it takes to manufacture than we've delivered to them. What are we going to see when we go on our tour? What you're going to see is you're going to be blown away, and I'm not overstating that. You're going to walk into this incredibly large facility, which is really purpose-built for productivity. You know, in, in Brisbane, we built a small foundry and then a bigger one and a bigger factory. It's not so productive after a while. Here, we get to, we get to start from a clean slate. What you're going to be is blown away. Smiles on the employees' faces, quality, Kaizen rooms, uh, 3D printer rooms, and a very long, long line of replicability. We're excited about yeah, this facility was nice in there. It's, it was very cool. They've only stood up a few lanes so far. I think they they said six in total will fit in that facility there. Yeah, they have one running. They had number two almost done, and they're going to run six. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's yeah, what, pretty what they had thing. told us is that per row there, everything's sort of built modular, and it moves section yeah. to section. And it takes about 10 hours to build a single charger, and that includes doing all the, like, impotence testing sure. and sure and putting all the things in there. And this was cool too. They have this whole team of interns and we were talking about when we were there like, man, it would be so cool to come out of college with like sort of tech like this and, and, and jobs time. like this. When do you turn yeah, the gas pump true. into the payphone? What year is that? Yeah, the gas pump into the payphone. It starts probably in California in certain areas where the, the adoption rate for EVs is very high, even over 30% today, but that's a small location. So we have to learn what we've learned from the early adopters in California, apply that to replicate California. But with the government funding, you're going to see a massive uh, sweep across the United States. Overall, that's still going to take between five and ten years. But like they say, it takes a long time to take its first foothold, but then it takes shorter than you expect to completely convert the fleet. 
I hear ya. It always reminds me of my kids, Michael Vincent. Like right now, I grew up when we still had landline cell phone transition by the time I was a teenager. My kids are five and seven now. I think they're gonna see that transition. They're gonna be looking back at gas pumps like, I do when I see a payphone. They'll be saying, fill up the tank, and then they'll have to explain to their kids. Yeah, the tank. I just explained to my daughter, my 10 year old daughter, like maybe three weeks ago, what hang on the phone now. Oh, yeah. Hang on the phone. Because they used to do. But I'm okay with using that technology because I say, you're going to fill your tank up in 20 minutes now or in 10 minutes. Right. Hey, look, we still use horsepower to define the speed of your car. Absolutely right. You know, and speaking of those horses, back in the day in the early 1900s, it took 13 years, only 13 years, to go from 99% horse and buggy, 1% vehicle, 99% vehicles, 1% horse and buggy in, in, in New York City. So that's a decade plus. It goes on an exponential growth. And there was a time when almost all those cars were actually electric. They were. <laughs> so it was a little, a little deal when it went on. Point that is good. Back when the sweet cars were named Desire. <laughs> Back when the sweet cars were named Desire. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate Thank it. You Congratulations. Thank you guys. It's great to be with Freightways. You guys are the coolest in the industry. By far. We're thrilled to be able to be a part of your message. Thank you guys. That was that was a good time. And then one of the things yeah. I love, and we see this a lot at Freight Waves because we're in that freight tech scene, but one of the things that I love about the tech scene is there's so much optimism in that. And yeah. there's so many forward thinkers and people who want to push this technology forward. And I thought it was cool too that we were able to have some honest conversations there yeah. with people about the limitations sure. of what charging is and the challenges that sort of trucking would have. And we were talking about the durability and some of the things we learned were like, I'm still not fully sure how this is going to integrate with trucking and you, and you don't keep these things from getting damaged or anything. But the progress is there. And I think their initial tackle point is to go after the car market anyway. Yeah, no, they seem to be, they don't seem to, they are doing it the right yeah. way, right? It's not blind, ignorant optimism. They're going forward with caution and knowing that there's going to be hurdles and what those hurdles are. It's very cool. I also love the fact that they're in there 3D printing their own parts and different yeah. jigs and stuff like that. The flexibility in that place is amazing. Exciting times in Tennessee. We were talking about it last night during yeah. the Cloud Innovation Edition with AWS and Stratus Grid about just here in Chattanooga, we were announced we got 25 gig internet here now. Yeah. 25 gig. Fastest in, fastest in the uh, the nation. Although, you know, in Iron Man 3, here's a little piece of trivia. In ooh, Iron ooh. Man 3, okay. the, <laughs> in Iron Man 3, they said Chattanooga has terrible internet. There's a line in that movie. Iron Man 3 was heavily promoted by Verizon. Verizon really? put a lot of money into that movie. Do you know what happened here in Chattanooga? No. Verizon fought against EBP for putting fiber down just ah. a few years earlier. So then they make Iron Man 3 and try to throw some shade at Chattanooga. Uh, well, look at us now with our 25 gig internet. That's Verizon. it. That's it. I'm taking them up on that uh, free uh, iPhone offer at AT&T now. <laughs> Forget it. I'm done. Hey, let's get to Brett Suma. He's been waiting so patiently. He's the CEO over at Loadsmith, and he's looking fantastic. He's almost supposed to be in studio with us, but flights have just been a mess, haven't they? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, yesterday, my flight from Milwaukee to uh, Chattanooga through Charlotte was canceled. So I had to... Uh, shift and make an adjustment and, and somehow was able to get back to Denver late, 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 actually early this morning. So well, Brett, sorry we'll, that I'm not there with you guys. It's, it's all right. right. We'll, we'll catch you next time, but you know, a lot to be excited about today's national dog day. Tomorrow is week zero for college football. Monday, we launch back to the moon and you have just launched a driver app. But before we get there, you're an Arizona state guy and we got college football on the, on the mind. They're over uh, under odds over under are 6.5. You going over or under? Um, I'll go over. 
All right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, Great. He's got to. I mean, well, that's serious. Because he hated the school. Why would he? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, some people are. That. You know, I don't know. I think six point five is it's a sucker bet. Well, bet Brett, the driver app is is really cool. I saw a picture of it on your LinkedIn just now. I think we have a picture here. Tell us about this thing. Yeah, so we've been we've been developing our, our app um, for about the last year. Uh, finally launched it into both the the Google Play and the Apple Store, and really it's just a way for our core carriers to engage with us um, at a deeper level. Um, we we look at drivers um, with a tremendous amount of respect, and uh, you know as long as I've been in transportation, recognize that that drivers are are. Uh, you know the the real crux. You know the real crucial component to to this business, and and we want to be able to engage with our core carriers, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, um, wherever they happen to be. And so we felt that we needed to develop a driver app um, in order to to allow these drivers to engage with us twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Obviously, we have twenty four seven phone coverage, and and we're you know a very, very, um, Billy's and Joe's business as opposed to the X's and O's. But, um, we, we felt from the Billy's and Joe's and Jane's of the, of the driving world that, you know, being in their office with them at, you know, seven 30 on a Friday night at a truck stop is, is important. And so we need to be able to, um, show them the freight that we have. We need to be able to let them see it. We need to let them action on it. Um, and then we need to, to, to help them throughout their journey um, when they're under a load for us, um, and, and be super responsive. So we felt very compelled to build this driver app. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's our, our, our first release. Um, we're going to continue to make updates to it as our business continues to scale. And as we bring on, you know, new innovative, uh, platforms. So we're super excited about it for, for our drivers. That's who we're really excited about it for is for our drivers. Um, we, we do not push the app as our sole, point of contact. Um, what I mean by that is, is that, that we just look at it as a tool to allow our drivers to see what's going on at Loadsmith and then to have continued conversations with our carrier sales managers in regards to what does success look like um, in the relationship between us and our carriers. So what's the uh, driver feedback been so far? How do they, how's their experience been and how do they interact with this? Yeah, I, the the feedback's been phenomenal. I mean, again, it's an invite only currently, and so we're we're focused on you know the carriers that move the most freight for us. I think that being able to um, filter and sort and and look out a week or two weeks or three weeks in advance um, has been very beneficial for our carriers. Um, the fact of Loadsmith is is that ninety percent of our freight is contractual, and so our prebook. Um, meaning the, the amount of freight that we have booked out a week or two in advance is, is very high. Um, and, and so we benefit a lot from, from our, you know, strategy in terms of contractual freight. And then our carriers and drivers benefit from the fact that, you know, they can go in and book a week's worth of loads at one time. Um, and, and, and then the execution piece of procuring freight's done. And then now it's, you know, how do we execute the actual pickup and delivery? Um, and then how do we continue to build and do more and, and then fill in the backhaul and, and all the other things that are our responsibility from a network uh, design and creation perspective? 
You know, I was looking on here on some of the features, and one of them that caught my eye was real-time visibility into every load through my buddy Jet McCandless company, Project 44. How did that partnership come about? Um, yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, you know, Jet, Jet is an uh, amazing um, visionary individual, and Loadsmith would not have started, and I've shared this with Jet um, myself, but Loadsmith would not have started had it not been for the vision of, of Jet and Project 44, and, and you could throw in um, four kites in there as well. But really, when the ELD mandate took effect, and Jet and, and others keyed in to the ability then to provide real-time visibility, um, and that real-time visibility could be ubiquitous, regardless if you worked for a mega carrier that had Qualcomm and, and you know, or, or Zonar or whatever that integrated right into your TMS. Well, now a freight brokerage could do the same. And, you know, when I'm visiting with customers, um, the, I always tell them that, that we don't consider ourselves a freight brokerage, that we consider ourselves a trucking company. And um, that visibility component was, was really the key that said, gosh, we could actually do this. We could become a freight brokerage that looks, acts, and feels like a trucking company to our customers. And so that visibility piece was, was really the, the light bulb moment for me. Um, and so I can't thank Jet enough in terms of the, the vision that he had um, because it really opened a lot of doors for, for, for myself and for our entire team at Woodsmith. So, Brett, how do, how do uh, drivers, how do companies get on this app? Um, yeah, I mean, anybody can download it in, in the mm -hmm. App Store. Um, the, the reality of it, though, is, is that there is a little bit of a, um, an onboarding process for us to, to verify that, that the, in, you know, that the people that we're inviting into it um, are able to come into our ecosphere. Because once you're in our ecosphere, um, it's wide open for you. And so um, we, we want you know, our core carriers to, to be in our ecosphere. We want to be um, engaged with them on multiple levels. And, and so um, if you're a current carrier with Loadsmith, please work with your carrier salesperson to, um, to be onboarded into the app. And if you're not a current carrier with Loadsmith, then um, we would love to have you. And so uh, reach out to us. You can email me at brad at loadsmith.com. Um, and we'll get you set up and haul, some, haul a few loads for us. And, and let's learn about each other, learn what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, maybe what are the, the holes in your network that maybe we could fill. And then, uh, then we'll go from there. Excellent stuff. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Wish you could have been here, but you know, since you were remote, we got to see that painting behind you. So I think that was a little bit of a win. I enjoy that one. Um, we'll catch you next time, man. Hopefully, hopefully right here next to us. Yep. Again, again gentlemen, sorry. And I have a whole, a whole suitcase of swag for you guys. Um, we got wow. schlepping around. <laughs> <laughs> I've been schlepping it around all week. Um, so I'll figure out a way to get it to you guys. All right. Thank you so great. much, man. Have a great weekend. Take Thank care. you, too. Thanks, Brett. Our right, next guest, Jason Gillespie, Senior Director of Continuous Improvement and Innovation at DHL Supply Chain. He is a fellow Ohio State University oh, guy. Or do I have to call it The Ohio State now? The like Ohio State. Okay, the Ohio State. Well, let me ask you something. Jason, they're over under is 11 wins. Who you got? Oh, sorry, what? The over under for over Ohio under? State football season. Over under 11 wins. Ohio State. <laughs> That's, I, that, I'm taking the over. I saw a, I saw oh, a, over, uh, over. I saw yeah, a, right. I saw, I saw a rate the other day and it said like dock hours and they just put tarp.
Oh, yeah, yeah I saw that. <laughs> that wasn't you, was it? <laughs> Just call me Tarp from now on. I can't talk <laughs> Mr. Tarp. Well, we had some great interviews. One time we were dressed as Squid Game characters during this thing. So yeah. I don't know. I hope you're on next Halloween show. Well, anyways, let's talk about your title really quick, though. Continuous improvement. I was hearing some people yesterday talking about continuous improvement. It's, it's kind of like one of those buzzwordy things. What does it mean? What does it mean for you? Yeah, and, and you know, it, it, it's part of what brings me on the show a lot because we're continuously improving on technology and on innovations and on everything else there. Um, but yeah, what it, what, yeah, I guess my day job, if I, if I could talk about that, is you know, what do we do to drive savings and to really show value to our customers um, because when it comes down to it, that's what we're really talking about with our customers. So, you know, we we have a view with an LLP product where we look across the entire supply chain, look at the entire network, everything from packaging to, you know, the visibility of the freight to the orders to the shipments. So if we've got all that visibility, how can I drive the value to the customer so that we're not only executing, but we're, you know, we're driving savings. So we do that with a tool we call or a methodology we call total logistics cost management. So in doing that, um, you know, the TLCM tool, because we love to give everything an acronym, um, we, we make a very clear statement on what the savings are, how we're going to deliver those savings and, you know, where they're going to come from within the, uh, within the network. So it allows me to get the customer to sign off, you know, have a very clear scope and have very clear expectations about um, what those savings are and how we're going to get to them. So that's, that's really big to me and a, and a big part of what we call continuous improvement here. Yeah. So, Jason, all right, let's get to that a little bit. Uh, companies and shippers can have different measures of savings, uh, cost savings, different financial goals. Right. And they have different uh, disparity, various levels of reliable data. How do you get that alignment with those customers? Yeah, and that, that is yeah, it's a great question, Michael. It's always the hard part is is making sure we're all on the same page with that. So. Uh, we have a we have a process that we do all the way from the very beginning when we're first talking to a customer all the way through. We've been running it for 15 years, uh, but that that opportunity to delivery is kind of that upfront piece where we're where we're looking with what's the solution, what does the network look like, how are we going to target those savings and establish those initial baselines. And baseline is is key here. I can't tell you if we've done any better if we don't know how you're doing today, right? So when we launch a new account, we will reestablish those baselines very often because sometimes we could be talking to someone for a year or two from the time the initial study was done until we're actually fully launched and everyone's ready to get to get up and running. So um, if we can get our hands on that data earlier, which we sometimes do and have made that a best practice where we're bringing in their freight pay data or whatever they've got, because typically these guys, these shippers don't have a TMS yet. Right. So we're taking that. We're kind of building up that master data, resetting that baseline. So that's really, really key to how we get that alignment and how we make sure we're talking to the customer. And then finally, it's uh, it's really about tracking against those actual targets. So we've created tools in BI that can actually show the the baseline, the plan and the actuals. How are we doing against that plan? And if we're missing those targets, what's the root cause and what do we need to go do about it? So it's a continuous continuous improvement, right? But it's a continuous process to reevaluate against that baseline and those targets. So how do we action these words? Do you have any tools, like tips and tricks here? Yeah, lots of tips and tricks. Uh, you know, it, it, I guess if it were easy, we'd all be doing it, right? So, uh, um, you know, we, we, we have standard uh, value levers, we call them uh, with, um, you know, engineering tools that we use. 
Um, that's a growing list. We use our we use our OMS approach. I, I, I'm going to have way too many acronyms today. But the operational management systems approach. Well, don't worry. Where- NASA is going to be on next, and they they have a, they have a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> and that's a true acronym, by the way. We we misuse the term acronym all the time, but don't get me started. Um, but yeah, so the t- the tools that we use, we're constantly feeding those new ideas into it. We 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 work with the team. We work with the account to make sure it's not just me or a couple engineers sitting in a bubble thinking we've got all the best ideas, right? So uh, we bring those ideas, we feed it back in. We have a tool that we've built over the years we call TNET. Um, just uh, basically, it's a, a very complicated algorithm that allows us to do these studies at speed, um, large complex network studies where we can do a quick look at a large amount of data and say, where's the opportunity? So I like to call this a metal detector um, because it's not doing the work. It's not digging up the gold, but it tells us where to go dig. So we have to go do the work after we've identified the savings, which can be new rates, new uh, new DCs, new cross stocks, you name it, right? So all of that has to go into, um, you know, after the engineering study. And really just kind of my last thing, and you know, when I like to talk about the cool stuff we're working on, another buzzword, uh, digital twins, right? So how do we get to where I've got a virtual environment that's constantly evaluating this stuff um, to to compare the network to to real-time data and say, could we be running it more efficiently with a more optimal solution in place? So I consider that kind of the, the wide-open what-if scenario um, where you can compare that to the reality and see how you're doing against that. So Super nerdy, long technical answer, and that's probably why you caught me off guard with the Buckeye question up front. Yeah, well, we try to loosen people up before we dive into the nerdy stuff, but uh, we appreciate your time today. Where, where, Mr. Tarp, where can we uh, go to learn more about... Uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to wear that for the next interview. Um, <laughs> just wear a tarp, yeah, with some, some eye holes or something. Where can, go holes, to, yeah. where can people go to learn yes. more about what we talked about? Yeah, so All Business No Boundaries is the DHL Supply Chain podcast we have. Uh, You can go to DHL.com and our Supply Chain and Transportation page and look me up on LinkedIn. Hit me up. Love it. Love it. Love it, too. Take care, Jason. Don't write yourself playing pickleball this weekend. Good to see you guys. Take care, buddy. All right, man. Surge transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Instead, email jobs at surgetransportation.com and do what? Open up your own office tomorrow. History lesson, Michael Vincent. Oh, golly, For over 35 these. years, Fleetworthy Solutions has provided a single source of solutions to monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risk for private and for hire carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go beyond, beyond. compliant. All right, it's I time it. to talk about space. I'm so excited. I, I, the only people more excited than me are probably all the people over at at NASA. Probably. I mean, I You're probably right. You're probably like, right. Let's, let's set the mood for this, though. We got a little video to show you what's going on on Monday. Artemis stands ready. Ready to turn dreams into reality. Ready to return humanity to the moon and take us further than ever before. The culmination of inspiration and innovation of Herculean efforts and steadfast collaboration, Artemis One is ready for departure. And the Artemis generation is about to leave its mark. What will be a journey of more than a half a million miles to the moon and back starts right here, 
and Launch Complex 39 Bravo. Although this first flight will not carry a crew, it will test every system in the deep depths of space to prepare the way for future crewed missions. When the final go is given and the teams at Kennedy Space Center release this rocket, arms will roar to life and we will witness the beginning of a tightly choreographed mission. lift Artemis off Earth and build momentum. It's another six minutes of pressing uphill, accelerating to orbit. This is followed by a push from the second stage to raise Orion higher. And once all the systems are cleared to continue, the second stage will fire again and push Orion beyond the bounds of Earth. At this point, we're going to the moon. It'll take several days to reach our destination, but as we sprint across the void, many new procedures and systems will be tested and proven. 240,000 miles later, Orion will enter an oval-shaped orbit around the moon, one that will take Orion to about 60 miles above the lunar surface and then out to 40,000 miles beyond the moon. This is a distance farther than any human-rated spacecraft has ever gone before. Amazing. Wow. And look, it's time it. to it's time to kick the tires and light the fires with the big daddy as he sent me in an email here. It's Trey Kate, the Space Launch System Deputy Stratcom Manager over at NASA. You have to be so excited and proud today. Uh, it's, hey guys, it's a historic week. We're going back to the moon. This place is on fire. Uh, I apologize for the background. Anywhere out on KSC is just crazy right now. Uh, we're expecting 500,000 people in the Cocoa area. Every hotel is sold out down here. Uh, the rocket's on the pad. Uh, we've passed flight readiness review. Um, it's it, the excitement's building. And every store you stop in, you know, are you guys going to launch? Are you going to launch? And we're we're absolutely confident in the rocket. And uh, this is this is going to be great. It's going to be a good day. Monday, I have. Nice. Great feelings. I, I believe it's like nice. T-minus two days and about 19 hours from when we're recording yeah. right now. It's nice. getting really close. Are people, so are, what's the mood, though? Are the NASA people, are you guys over there nervous? Are you excited? Where do you sit there? Well, I think we're a little nervous, a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. we, have done, we, have, we have done testing on this rocket from the component. I mean, all the way through full eight and a half minute firing, holding it down when you're not supposed to hold a rocket down. Uh, to now getting it on the pad with the solid rocket boosters, we feel the rocket's ready. If something keeps us from launching, it's going to be something, you know, just out of the blue. And I hope that doesn't happen, but it's a very complicated rocket. It's a very complicated system. I hate to yeah. use the cliche that space is hard, but, you know, it is. Um, it is it's just to give you a little sample, imagine putting 733,000 gallons of liquid fuel in a rocket <laughs> of which 533,000 are at minus 400 degrees and 200,000 are at minus 200 degrees, and then having to mix them at the right mixture, at the right temperature, at the right time to get ignition on the world's most efficient engines. Uh, it, it really is an engineering feat, and uh, the, the country ought to be proud. Every state in the nation has had a part in putting this rocket together. 
That is awesome. I mean, it's impressive. We've only done about 100,000 gallons, right, (laughs) ourselves. So, yeah, 700,000. It's really amazing. I imagine it it builds to, like, a festival that is going on there, right? I mean, are there boats anchoring off shore to watch this thing over the weekend? Oh, yeah, there there will be. Uh, Sunday is going to be chaotic. Let's just put it that way. They We're expecting 60,000 visitors on site. Uh, if you want to talk logistics, talk 5,000 car passes going to three different locations. Wow. A couple hundred buses going here, there, there. Uh, celebrities, VIPs. Uh, the beaches are going to be cracked. It just It's it's going to be uh, amazing. They're telling us for a, a 8.30 launch, we need to be probably in line to get to our post at about 10 o'clock at night. So. Wow. <laughs> How much planning goes into this massive mission? How much planning has led you to Monday? Well, I mean, we, we literally started planning for this five years ago. Um, and the last year has been weekly meetings do, 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 covering every facet uh, of the launch. And that's just from the communication side. Uh, and from the engineering side, uh, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling how much has gone in uh, to putting this rocket together. Uh, the amount of data, the amount of engineering uh, that it takes to get 27 tons to the moon. And if you guys don't if remember nothing else about this conversation, there is no other rocket in the world that can get 27 tons to the moon in a single lift. And it's our country's. So uh, we're going back to be the leader of space exploration. That is absolutely amazing. So you are the deputy strat uh, com manager for space launch system. What does that incredibly cool title mean? So, you know, I grew up in doing public affairs in the military. This is that next step above. So instead of just working on working with the media, uh, we work with the legislators, suppliers, primes, uh, everybody. And we make sure we have one message, you know, being put out by many voices. Uh, we have said for a long time that this is our national capability. We need this rocket. Uh, we need to be the leaders in deep space exploration, especially human deep space exploration. So making sure all our voices are heard across all those multiple channels uh, is what we do. So we're like one level above the the public affairs realm. Okay, as I understand it, too, this mission will be unmanned, right? Is is that correct? Well, yeah, we have that. That is correct. We have uh, Commander Campos who will be on there, who is our mannequin and and uh, commander for the mission. And then we also have two. Uh, I call them wraiths, but uh, they're half mannequins. Uh, provided and one of them be wearing a vest and one of them won't that's uh helga and zohar and we will be testing the deep space radiation protection for women in deep space so one will have a vest on and one won't uh, as they go forward and there'll be some technology demonstrations uh, people will be able to interact uh, with the capsule when it's in its distance retrograde orbit there's already a website out there called aero a-r-o-w so you can literally follow Orion on its trajectory around the moon. And as it gets kicked out into that distant retrograde orbit, um, we are staying out there for the capsule itself is designed for 21 days for four humans. We're going for a 42 day mission to ring this system out and make wow. sure that it's safe for humans because the second flight, we're going to put people in it and do a flyby of the moon. And the third flight, we're landing humans on the South Pole. We okay. you know in that video, in that hype video, we saw some. It said something really interesting. It was going to be the longest distance that a rocket had flown. Why is it going that extra long trajectory? We we're really curious. Forty thousand miles further than the moon. Why? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the rocket really only goes for eight and a half minutes, right? The rest of it's taken by the second stage, and we put it out. 
the reason we're going so far is to get out in the deep space radiation on the backspace side of the moon and test out test out our communication systems and everything else we need to uh, out in that harsh environment on the backside of the moon. But that'll take it further than any other spacecraft that's human rated has ever flown. And uh, we're going to ring it out and make sure it works before we put astronauts on it. Unbelievable. Let's talk a little bit about you. You've got an impressive and extensive uh, military background. You mentioned it briefly. It, it, is is that make you uni- uniquely qualified for the position you hold trying to wrangle all those different departments together? And how difficult is that to contain and have that one mission voice pointed forward? Well, I tell you, if it were the military, it would be a lot harder. But when you work for somebody like NASA, uh, it's it's amazing, collaborative. These are the smartest people. You know, I'm one of the dumbest people on the team, I'll tell you that, even though I got three degrees. Uh, it's amazing to work with these people, and uh, everybody works together toward a common goal. You know, you, you see the engines there. That's that's down at Nashu, and that's where we're building the rocket and putting it together uh, in the vertical assembly building. Uh, this has been going on, and, and we haven't, just so you guys know, we didn't build just one rocket. Everybody goes, oh, it's so expensive. Why, why, why does it cost so much to build one rocket? Well, oh, by the way, the second rocket's already done. Uh, we'll be oh. delivering it in March. The third rocket is being outfitted, and the fourth rocket is on the welding tools now. So we, we have enough to get going and keep this going. Uh, we need to learn to live out and work on the moon so we can go to Mars, right? Well, it sounds like Gene Cernan is going to lose his space as the last person to step foot on the moon soon enough over here. You know, you talked about how this is a safety mission, and that's why there's not people on there, and you have mm-hmm. to test mm-hmm. the radiation. What about, like, the surface of the moon itself? I heard, like, mo- even moon dust is, like, microscopic razor blades, and that can wreak havoc on spacesuits yeah. or or the spaceship itself. Is that another thing that you kind of want to test and, and, and figure out as you're doing this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the Artemis program, uh, which is what we're going to do on the moon in the next 20 years, right, under the Artemis campaign, uh, it has two prongs. We've got the human aspect uh, of us going forward with Orion, but we also have a commercial lunar payload uh, program, which is taking up all the science instruments we need to study things such as plume mitigation is what we call it, because it really, it's very fine and it can get into places where it's not supposed to be. So we're, we're taking science up Along the way, many missions, we've already launched our first one, uh, which was called Capstone, and it flew around the moon and is testing a new orbit for us, which is called a distant retrograde halo orbit. But we've got nine other missions that our commercial payload providers are sending up, which are rovers and science and everything we can do on the moon, uh, especially looking for the water, which we know is there, and figuring out how to extract it. Because if you think about it, water is H2O. Rocket fuel is liquid and hydrogen, both the same. Uh, would make a great way station if we can figure out how to do that, right? So, but yes, yeah. we are. We are. The science is 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 leading the way with robotically, and then when we land, it'll be human after that. Yeah, that's it's a that's a great point. Utilizing that that water as generating your next fuel. I was going into the, uh, I guess it's the overview. It's not the SLS user's guide because you're not going to give away all those secrets, but it's a reference material that's <laughs> that's out there. Really cool stuff. Can you dig a little bit deeper into the RS-25 engines and how cool those are? Oh, yeah. They are the most efficient engine ever built. You know, 135 flights of the space shuttle. Uh, we have 16 on hand. Uh, they burn about 400 gallons of fuel per second each. So the rocket's processing 1,600 gallons of fuel per second for each one of them. Uh, the technology in it 
You know, it has 1,080 small tubes that go down the bell howl, which puts the cryogenics down the side, which then gets sucked back up into the power head. So the um, exhaust can come out. And what comes out is liquid oxygen, liquid hydrogen. And they provide about 550,000 pounds of thrust each. So of the four, we get 2 million pounds of thrust, two solid rocket boosters for 3.6 each. Uh, and here's a mind-boggling. You want to do some math? 1.328 million divided by 120. You got it? No. <laughs> no. Okay. So about 11, 11 and a half thousand or so. Put that in tons. That's six tons. Think about this. Each solid rocket booster burns six tons of propellant per second. Per second. Wow. Six, ton, six tons of propellant. And that's what's providing that initial two and a half minute jump off the earth. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a show like never been seen before. No, I, I love it. But when, so with this SLS system compared to like the Apollo rockets of old, how is it different? Well, this is a one and a half stage. Uh, Apollo was meant to go, basically go grab rocks and come home. This is going to be a generational rocket. So if you look at the rockets as we go forward from now on, the core stage, the basically the gas tank and avionics and engines and boosters are all going to stay the same. Uh, what we're going to change is the upper stage. So right now we can get 27 tons to the moon, uh, which is, if you think about it, 27 Mini Coopers worth of stuff, uh, 250,000 miles away. Uh, the next version, which will fly on Artemis IV, we'll be able to get over 38 tons. So not only will we be able to carry the astronauts, we'll be able to carry their habitat to live in. And it's also the safest rocket ever built with the launch abort system on top of it which uh, will pull the crew to safety either on the pad, during ascent, or while they're in orbit. So um, very similar to Apollo, but it has much different missions. And because Apollo had such a big upper stage, they could only do a one, one and done. And we plan to keep this going for 20 years. Wow. So when I, I, I keep going back to that SLS uh, overview because it's got a ton yeah. of information in that thing, but there's different blocks of rockets, right? And they have different capabilities as they, as they move along and there's crew and yes. there's, and there's non-crewed. Obviously this one's going to be crewed. You've answered that question for me. Um, but which block are we on? Is this, is this one? Is this why it's Artemis one? This is block well, you one know, and that, block one. Really, yeah. We really like to give our rocket sexy name. So we're calling this one block one. Um, and then the next one will be block one B and then the next <laughs> one will be block two. Uh, so uh, right now we're in block one and we're going to fly the first three flights with the block one and put humans on the moon. Uh, the fourth flight will be in a block one B. So that's when we go up to 38 tons to the moon. And then by our ninth flight, we're going to go to block two, which we consider our Mars enabling capability because it'll be able to carry almost 50 tons to the moon. Um, so, that's enough stuff on the moon to learn how to live and work there uh, to get us ready to go to Mars and come home safely. Now, you, you mentioned the dark side of the moon a few times, and it, it got me thinking, what is sort of the protocol and procedure? Were you, you to encounter like a UFO or a rogue nation while you're up there? <laughs> OK, uh, well, we hope that's not going to happen. We've, we've established what's called the Artemis Accords, um, which we're using uh, soft power, American soft power to help bring nations together to go up and explore uh, peacefully uh, and uh, see what we can do on another heavenly body. Um, as far as UFOs, well, you know, who knows? I, I will tell you that uh, one thing that really excites me about the moon is uh, people, why, why are we going back? Where are we going? We've already been. Why are we going back? Well, we've explored 6% of the moon. 
six percent. Mm. And everything, and this this is what blows my mind, everything that has impacted the moon in the last say three and a half to four billion years, catch that three and a half to four billion years is still there. Because oh, there's wow. no atmosphere, there's no tectonic plates. Um, I mean, I like to be a dreamer and think, man, we're going to find the dilithium crystal. We don't even know it's there, right? And we're going to be able to power up the power up the warp drive. Uh, so we we know a lot that's up there because we use our satellites to find it. But what about those things we don't know about that came from deep space? I think exploration is just uh, it drives technology, and it's going to be it's going to be a, an amazing five years. Uh, more than that so yeah i mean you brought up the space dust right and that's a real issue and there's no atmosphere there's no tectonic plates there's none of that there's no erosion happening on that on the moon is that a big part of the missions getting up there is figuring out how to have activity on the moon and not create this this huge dust storm that's going to hang around and shred everything like the microscopic razors described yeah it is it actually is and and we just announced our 13 potential landing sites and what's going to be even more challenging that than that is since all the water, at least the water we want to go after right now, is on the south pole of the moon, uh, you would think, you know, what's the first thing you're looking for? Do you want a dustless plateau? Do you want this? And the answer is no. What you really want is light. Um, you got to land somewhere where there's light. There are craters on the bottom side of the moon, the south side of the moon, that have never seen a photon of light. Uh, uh, perpetually dark for the last 4 billion years. Uh, That would be a really bad place to land. Um, But, you know, that is also in these deep craters is where the ice is. So we need to be close enough to get there to robotically explore it. But, yeah, absolutely, the plume is is a concern, and we've been working on it uh, for a while now. We've got some regolith from the moon, and, again, we're sending up samples, and that will be our third uh, clips mission, which will go up and do the plume studies. Yeah. So you land. How do you get back home? Well, we've we've uh, contracted out with the company to build a human landing system. Uh, it will go to the moon. It'll be around orbit the moon for up to sixty to ninety days, and then Orion will arrive with the astronauts. Uh, link up. They'll go down to the moon. Uh, first one will probably be a week, maybe two week duration. You know, as we get our quote, feet wet, and then get back on the landing system and go back into orbit, uh, rendezvous with uh, Orion, and then Orion will bring them home uh, from from the moon. And then, you know, it just gets more complicated from there as we start putting uh, really big shelters and big rovers and pressurized rovers and, you know, uh, solar devices on the moon, and excavation equipment, 3D printers. There's all sorts of opportunity up there. Uh, we have been figuring out how to 3D print, you know, structures from the regular regolith uh, of the moon, uh, because if you build the structure, then you decrease the deep space radiation that's affecting the astronauts. Um, so all sorts of, of possibilities. It's a, it's an amazing time to be in the space business, and you know, we NASA spent 35 years in low Earth orbit. We've had humans in orbit uh, for 20 plus years continuously. Um, it's time for us to go out to deep space uh, and turn over low earth orbit to the commercial companies, which is kind of what we do. Um, You know, if you think back to the interstates, the interstates, the government funded that. What followed was commerce, uh, the interstates, uh, the railroads, uh, the Hoover Dam. I mean, you can go on and on, but 
usually the government takes on these high-risk, high-paying, costly jobs, and what follows when we're successful is commerce. And I, I would put the, the low-Earth orbits, the next big market, uh, which we're seeing, and then 10, 12, 15, however many years from now, uh, the moon will be the next big market. Uh, there'll be a business case for companies to go there. And then when they when that, when that we reach that tipping point, we're off to Mars. The lunar economy. Yeah. I, it does yeah. make sense. It I love it. You've done a great job answering all of our questions. I only have one question left. It's kind of a dumb one, but I'm curious. No, these are the hard-hitting questions. Well, man. I don't know. I'm just, and I'm not trying to start a <laughs> war up in space, but like, let's say you're in a space suit. Could you fire a gun in space? Would it work? Is this meme correct? <laughs> that is correct. It. That's uh, an actual yeah, picture. That, that's an actual that, picture. That's correct. You could hit a golf ball at it too. So, yeah. oh wow, like yeah. Sasquatch doesn't have a watch, but a mask on. That's awesome. <laughs> I guess the bullet would just keep going right until it hits something. <laughs> yeah, for a long, long way. Wow. <laughs> Excellence of hate. <laughs> wow. Congratulations to you. I mean, I don't want to jinx it. Break a leg, you and the team on the yeah, launch pad. It's you. a couple days away. Monday, it's kicking off. Do you know what time the launch is scheduled for? Oh, I, I do. So it'll be eight thirty. 8.33 is when the window opens. We have a two-hour window from 8.33 to 10.33. Um, we will have a two-hour live broadcast, celebrity, you know, the whole nine yards leading up to it. So if you turn on your TV at 5.30 Central Time uh, or, you know, 6.30 Eastern and you see the show, uh, you know we're going to give it a good go uh, to get nice. off the planet. Well, here's a little good luck, Cabell, for you and the team. Take care, sir. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And go Artemis. Go Artemis. There you go. Go, go Artemis. Artemis. Peace and love. To the moon, Artemis. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. It's Friday. It's a little good news, bad news. Uh, bad news and good news. All right. This is, well, this isn't really bad news or good news. This is just cool news. Yes, Take a look at this Rammstein cool. stage right here. Concerts, you may not think of it, but your music comes on a truck. And that stage right there, you only see two trucks in that picture. But I asked the guys at Show Motion who do these big tours, yeah. who posted the picture. I said, how many trucks does it actually take to do that stage? 48 trucks. It's a double hopscotch stage. One would take 24. This is a double stage. It takes 48 trucks. That's not including equipment, band, gear, and all the other stuff. That's almost as much as Buddy Holly took with him. Almost. 48, it's almost there. Hey, here's some good news for you, my friend. There's yeah. not a lot of traffic on the road. You're cruising along. Bad news, though, there's a huge table on the road. Take a, take a look at this. What do we got going on here? Hey, we got he's following along this uh, open deck trailer when, look at this, a huge Ooh, table comes out. a large out, table. squeeves out of the way. It looks like a massive table just comes out and just blows up all over the highway. Yeah, that was like an antique. Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, really poor strap job. Yeah, I would give that a zero, a zero, <laughs> zero out of 10. All right. Zero. Bad news, you're cruising with 62 tons on almost as many wheels, and you got to stop short. Good news, this dude is driving. How, how did he do that with doubles? It's a night, you know? Even still, even still, though, imagine if you were at a stoplight, right? Yeah. And this guy has to be there. I mean, that's still a couple hundred yards, isn't it? Oh, he still moves a, a, a good way, but how did he keep those doubles straight? Oh, that was an that? excellent. Uh, that was an excellent drive. That, that is, that. Uh, that's really impressive. Here's some bad news. You're bombing down the highway, uh, and a chunk of ice flies off the top of the truck in front of you and just takes out your windshield. Just shatters the hell out of your windshield. Take a look at this thing. Well, good news is you're this guy. 
You we'll are see, one lucky SOB. Check this out. So we already saw the aftermath. This yeah, oh. here it is. Boom. That's what how that occurred. Is that ice? Can you see that on the left? Let's run through that one more time because that goes yeah, quick. Nice. There's the aftermath right there. Now he's cruising. He's nice and cool. And then bam! Watch his face from the left. And there it is. You it ever, is uh, so fast. Do you think maybe you could avoid that? No. Not a chance. Well, you might cause an even bigger accident oh, yeah. trying to avoid that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's this, like, there's an awful video online, and don't don't go looking for it. Don't go watch <laughs> it. And it doesn't show anything, but there's this car driving, and a brick goes through the windshield, oh, God. and it kills the guy's husband. I mean, the, the, sorry, the guy's wife. And you can just hear the family, like, screaming, like, horrified. It's like nightmare fuel, man. Oh, God, that's awful. You know what? I put a poll on Twitter today, too. Let me check it right now. I put a poll on Twitter about how many people wear their seatbelts, and um, the results were, like, a little shocking at first, and I want to see what they're at right now because it wasn't, it wasn't 100%. Uh, where are we at here? Okay, 91.5% say that they wear a seatbelt, but 8.5% of you say you don't. You just live dangerous. What are you yeah, do you just like to hear your car constantly yelling at you to put your well? No, no. Like they, I think that they they, oh, they wrap the seat, they, yeah. they put the seat behind them, right? Yeah. And, they just sit and they, they that's how they get around. Yeah, it. yeah. Not yeah. a good idea. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Do you want us to share all, some man. videos of people getting ragdolled from not wearing their seatbelts? Nah, I want that. I want to ruin your lunch. All right. Bad news. The receiver took forever. Worse news. Chopper the dog is going to give you an earful about it. Let's take a look. When I take too long at the stop, Chopper yelled at me. Hi. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It took so long. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. When I take too long. <laughs> Dog's awesome. Dobermans are the sweetest dogs, too. They are actually very super cool. Yeah, people uh, think like, they're like uh, super aggressive nah. attack dogs. I, you, I mean, you could train them that way. Yeah. You can make them that way, yeah. but you can also make them pretty nice. Incredibly smart dogs as well, right? Here's some bad news, man. Yeah. Your doggy had an accident in the truck, but here's the good news. He's still a really good boy. <laughs> I mean, let's let's end it on this one. This one is really cool. Check this out. When this you is why you have a dog. truck and you're feeling all bad, and you shouldn't feel bad because it wasn't your fault, puppy. Accidents happen. You didn't mean to get sick in daddy's truck. I bragged this morning about you ain't never had an accident in nine years, and then you eat something rough tonight. Throw up in a truck for the first time. You're okay. Daddy loves you. You'll be all right. You gotta look so sad, pouty pout. I still love you. I still love the baby boy. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You ain't gonna mess up daddy's truck. I love a puppy. Yeah, I love a puppy. It's a good boy. Him's a good boy. You're okay. You're okay. Love to see it. I, ho- I hope yeah. that dog can forgive himself. Labs can be very hard on themselves. They in are. Those I mean, look situations. at Yeah. They are like that. They're very, very emotional. <laughs> We're still uh, trying to housebreak the, the puppy. Oh, are home. you? Yeah. Randy Savage? Yeah, little Randy Savage. He's getting there. He's getting there today. He was a little, he had a couple accidents. So it was like, huh. Right. And they were like mm. in, in, in succession. Well, I haven't seen as many videos of him online lately. Maybe he's upset about that. He's I don't know. It just hasn't been time. We've been so busy. We had yeah, a bunch of great have. shows this week. We on Monday we had Heartland Express acquire CFI Truckload. That was a great mm, episode. On Wednesday we had Dogs Afraid, and then we had Mario on from Stored. One of my awesome. favorite episodes that we've done on Wednesday. Those are all on demand. We had the After Dark thing last night. Went down to Trinium this week. This was this was a very very a busy very... and exciting week. You know what I also saw this week? Some F three plans. And it's really interesting what we're doing at this event. So, okay, um, from the looks of it, it looks like you're going to go over to that convention center in the morning until like about mid-afternoon. Mm-hmm. Then it's all experiences after. 
There's after parties and sessions at places like the aquarium and like various bars around town. Nice. It's gonna be a time. Awesome. We need giant ass what the truck flag for this event, don't we? We do. Oh yeah, festival flag. I mean, it's a festival. How do you not have flags at a festival? Yeah, absolutely. We're here for the flags. Go to live.freightwaves.com to go get tickets for that. We hope to see you here in November. It's been two years coming. Two years. Too long. Good luck to NASA on Monday. Thank y'all for joining us. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.